0: There is a question of the types of talent that they need to do these things that that are not core to their business. So with these two factors in mind, they have to rely on third parties or contractors or external talent to help them perform their operations optimally. Add to that supply chain disruptions and the the need for backfilling talent, especially in the recent months and years. With so many people leaving their jobs, that has required companies to rely on third parties more and more. And so companies can outsource the work, which is an imperative for them, but they can outsource the risk. Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom
1: Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. Today I have with me Sandeep today. Sandeep is with Process Unity, and they had a very interesting report that came out, and I asked him if he would take some time to visit with me about that report and talk a little bit about Process Unity. So Sandeep, first of all, thank you so much, and welcome to the podcast. Sandeep, in the compliance profession, whether it be services or products, I often say that we're almost always related somewhere, and turns out you and I are related because we have—you uh, were at Hyperos at one point, and I did lots of work with Hyperos at one point. So that makes us related. I'm glad we could finally connect for this podcast. But could you tell our audience a little bit about your professional background?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Tom. It would be my pleasure. So I've spent my entire life in business-to-business enterprise software. And I have performed many roles in pre-sales, in post-sales. I've even run engineering. But in the past 15 years or so, I've kind of settled down on product management. And my educational background is that I have a bachelor's in Computer engineering, and I've also done my Master of Business Administration in finance, actually, from Rutgers University. And in the past 15 years Because of my background in multiple industries, solving multiple industry problems with software, I thought the the best place for me where I had the most fun and I was able to contribute was in managing software in in actually defining what is needed to solve business problems. And of those 15 years, the last 12 years have been actually focused on third-party risk management. So I was one of the original members of the Hyperos team, And they are part of Coupa now. Subsequent to that, I spent about two years in a company called GEP, a New Jersey-based company, and I built a new third-party risk management product from the ground up that's tightly integrated with their source-to-contract procurement suite. And it was built specifically for the largest banks in the world. And I've been with Process Unity since the beginning of this year.
1: So, Sandeep, I'd like to maybe visit a little bit about Process Unity because I've not had anyone from Process Unity on a podcast. So, could you tell us a little bit about the company? Who is your primary customer base? And what are some of your key product and services offerings?
0: So, Process Unity offers cloud based solutions to help our customers of all sizes automate their risk and compliance programs. It's highly configurable that reduces Manual administrative tasks allows customers to spend more time on the more strategic risk mitigation activities. We offer a -a software-as-a-service technology. We deploy quickly with minimal effort and from a company's standpoint to deliver the best value for money. We deliver results fast, the ability to scale a company's GRC program really quickly over time. The ultimate end result is to reduce cycle times, which is kind of the holy grail of any self respecting third party risk management program, meet a company's regulatory needs, and deliver highly usable software that results in the maximum adoption. Typically, our customers are both small and large enterprises, typically regulated in the financial services space, healthcare, life sciences, high tech, business services, manufacturing retail. These are all our customers. And in terms of the offerings, we have primarily third-party risk management, but also cybersecurity program management. And our customers tend to be an even split between the chief procurement officers, meaning the procurement organization or the information security organization led by the CISO, chief information security officer in a company hope that gives you kind of a, a good sense for where we play and, and what we offer. Certainly. I'd
1: like to now turn to the report, Third-Party Risk, a Turbulent Outlook. If I could maybe start with what was the purpose for you guys doing the report and talk a little bit about its methodology.
0: Sure. So the objective of this study was to gauge how well organizations understand and manage risk associated with third-party partners or relationships. And so the mechanism used was a survey and 301 IT and cybersecurity decision makers and influencers participated in the survey. The study participants were asked about their own vendor relationships, concerns, and challenges in managing certain risks and the impact of IT security incidents related to their third party partners. And so they also provided responses to a structured survey questionnaire. They were encouraged to provide corresponding comments were applicable. And so we had co-sponsored this study. So it was primarily based on this online survey. It was conducted in the late fall of 2021. And all of these were actually based primarily in the United States. Very few of them are a percent from Canada. In terms of the roles of people involved, they were information security executives, about a third of them, I would say 35%, to IT security directors and managers, people who actually do the execution of these policies. They were about the majority, about 49%, to administrators and analysts and consultants, that those comprised about 16%. In terms of the size of the company these people worked at, a majority of them worked for enterprises that had less than a 1,000 people, 1,000 employees, so almost 64% of the people were in that company range, while about 13% were in large enterprises, 10,000 employees or more, and the remaining were somewhere in between. In terms of the size of the security teams, which is an important aspect in any information security or cybersecurity management program, the majority had about 20 or less IT people, security people on their team, and the remaining had had larger organizations. In terms of the industry coverage, it was evenly split, I would say, between business and professional services, about 16%, manufacturing around 18%, retail and e-commerce companies around 11%, high-tech around 11%, so fairly even. And then from there, to financial services around 9%, and then everything else, healthcare, education, transportation, government, nonprofit, the the rest. That was kind of the structure of the study.
1: Sandy, could you share with us some of the key executive findings or the executive summary?
0: So there were very interesting findings. So the first one was that third party relationships continue to expand exponentially. That was kind of borne out by the participation and the respondents and companies continue to seek outsourced services and software to perform optimally and to backfill talent and supply shortages because of the ongoing pandemic. And obviously, this is not lost on all the survey respondents and the decision makers and influencers. And they understand the need to better manage third-party cyber risk, but some of them aren't really sure how to go about it. But in terms of studies, the study's findings, a majority, about 60% of respondents stated that they experienced an IT security incident in the past two years. So during the pandemic, attributed directly to a third party and a third party that had access privileges and were most likely to have sensitive data stolen or have suffered some type of business outage. That's about 60% of the respondents. And I think one of the main incidents that was quoted was the Solar Winds Orion Sunburst supply chain attack. And I think maybe because of that, some of the survey respondents suffered shutdowns and data leakage as well. And I think consequently, because of that, perhaps 70% of the respondents ranked cyber as one of the top two risks among third-party supply chain partners. So it either came in at number one or a number two risk. That's a pretty large percentage, 70%. About 52% who experienced a third-party related attack indicated that they lost approximately less than $100,000 as a consequence of that attack. About 45% incurred even higher costs. A handful of them incurred more than a million dollars in costs directly attributable to these third-party-related attacks. Also, quite surprisingly, more than 75% of IT leaders and influencers rated managing their third-party risk of their higher critical players as their top priority. And for most respondents, this priority has actually increased over since the pandemic hit, since 2020, because of the major disruption that it has caused, both micro and and macro disruptions, including worker shortages and the consequent impact on uh, supply chain issues. There are also a few more findings that are interesting. Supply chain visibility, I call it nth party visibility, is also become very important, has been deemed to be very essential, and almost everyone wanted this ability. At the same time, they also lamented the fact that the visibility was severely limited to them. They want it, but it's not available, really. And nearly half of all respondents, almost 45%, said that they are trying to use some sort of standardized guidelines, and the most preferred one was the NIST cybersecurity framework as their standard to improve third-party vendor assessments. And they were expecting to improve their program this year. And interestingly, they're saying they have seen nearly half of them, almost 49% of them said that they have experienced budget increases this year. They expect it and they are seeing it, which bodes well for them to improve their TPRM programs with greater investment in technology.
1: So in terms of phrases, I have to give you guys credit. For one of the great phrases in a report, I'm going to cite back to Winston Churchill because he wrote a book with this title, and it's a gathering storm. And I was really intrigued by the use of that. Many people who've looked at the sort of same data and same time period you have have not characterized it in this manner. So I really wanted to find out the genesis of that phrase What is the gathering storm? And then maybe move into some of the technological solutions that you and your colleagues at Process Unity believe can help us navigate this coming storm.
0: Absolutely. Think about the backdrop to, and think about what has happened in the past two years. In 2020 and 2021, we all experienced this with these lockdowns due to this deadly and contagious virus. This massive work from home movement, a rising death rate because of that, civil unrest, the contentious US elections, and the pandemonium that that caused, and finally, you know, supply chain shortages that resulted. And then I would add more recently, the great resignation. As regards supply chain disruptions, I tell you, I just ordered a fridge, and it's coming in September of this year. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> a fridge from the US. Anyway, meanwhile, In the cyber world, I think the biggest story arguably is the solar wind hack. And if you think about that, it is probably one of the largest and widest data breaches today. Most people, all your listeners have probably heard about it or read about it. But just to give you a sense for how big this was, one of the very important research firms out there, FireEye, they actually announced this in December, and that they discovered this backdoor malware coming from an on-prem software called, that is used by many actually government institutions to monitor IT performance. It's on-prem software called SolarWinds, Orion, and they dubbed it, FireEye called it Sunburst. And these attackers, most probably state-sponsored Russian they can use this software with the backdoor that it opens to hack into any organization that's using SolarWinds, Orion. And they have demonstrated that they can move laterally once they are in to other systems and they can exfiltrate data. And in fact, some of the participants in the survey reported that they have experienced system slowdowns, work disruptions, and malware infections from downstream effects of this hack. Now, this campaign of the SolarWinds hack actually probably started in the spring of 2020, and it is ongoing right now. The full effects of it haven't been actually realized. So this Orion, the SolarWinds platform is actually widely used and deployed. In fact, there were estimated around 18,000 known downloads and updates of this platform that resulted in this getting inserted into every company's systems and opening them them up to this threat. So the unique thing about this hack was that it wasn't detected. It wasn't detected by antivirus software, and it wasn't detected by the normal intrusion detection systems. It probably sat there for a long time, and it was discovered months after it came in. So the attackers actually used a config file, a DLL file that was digitally signed, And that established a backdoor to communicating over an unsecure HTTP protocol, right? It's unencrypted. And they were able to avoid even endpoint detection and response systems. I think the only system that could have probably detected it was behavioral detection systems, like active network detection and response systems could have potentially detected it. SolarWinds was one example, right? There were other supply chain attacks. Right after SolarWinds, I think the most notable one was the one happened that happened in May 2021. It was a ransomware attack on the colonial pipeline system. It shut them down there to pay a ransom. It disrupted fuel deliveries in the eastern United States. This was followed by an attack on JBS, which disrupted global meat production. Then there was the Caseya IT platform that was compromised to spread ransomware to customers, and that included managed providers, which expanded the damage. Exponentially to everything from railways to grocery chains. Even the open source community wasn't spared. You must have heard of the Log4j compromise. So, this was discovered in late 21. It was a zero day vulnerability. And this is like a popular Java library that all software developers use that use Java. So, this is kind of the gathering storm that has compelled organizations to closely scrutinize their third party relationships, specifically those. Third parties that have either physical or network access to equipment and premises and those that provide software vital to a business's operation. And just how to vet these third parties, however, remains an open question. And that's kind of the context of why we termed it a uh, gathering storm.
1: One of the clear themes in this report and in this podcast have been third parties, but Can you remind us again why the role of third parties and overall data and IT security is so critical as well?
0: If you take any company, right, they want to focus on their core business and they cannot certainly do everything themselves. It doesn't make any economic sense for them to do everything themselves. That's one aspect of it. Secondly, there is a question of the types of talent that they need to do these things that, they, that are not core to their business. So with these two factors in mind, they have to rely on third parties or contractors or external talent to help them perform their operations optimally. Add to that supply chain disruptions and the, the need for backfilling talent, especially in the recent months and years with so many people leaving their jobs. That has required companies to rely on third parties more and more. And so companies can outsource the work, which is an imperative for them, but they can not outsource the risk.
1: I give gold stars for people who suggest the title of the podcast in the podcast, and you can't outsource the risk. That was great. I'm going to officially tell you that I'm going to steal that phrase. (laughs) That's absolutely fabulous. Okay. Well, your editorial on it's in deep is spot on. I love it. You cannot outsource the risk. I've been a lawyer a long time and I've never heard anyone phrase it so succinctly, but it's not simply data security, data privacy and IT security and third parties. You have to actually manage your third parties because there's literally a, a bundle of risks that third parties can bring to anyone that does business with them. That can be third parties on the sales side. It can be third parties on the vendor side. And, and one of the things I really appreciate about Process Unity is you just say, look, guys, it's third parties. It's not sales. It's not vendors, not business relationships. It's third parties. And I think that helps drive the discussion as well. But what are some of the keys that you and your colleagues at Process Unity see around managing third parties as opposed to specific IT risks?
0: Now, from this study standpoint, right, there is what has been articulated in the study is a bunch of pointers that are a little high level. What I'll do is I will tell you about those and then I'll also dig a little bit deeper and talk about specific activities that can be done when it comes to the technology that is needed to implement an effective third party risk management program. So, at a high level, obviously, one of the first things is For any organization to actually see, acknowledge, and prioritize third party risk management, you can't be in denial anymore, or you can't bury your head in the sand and hope that the problem will go away. It's not. And obviously, that comes from being wary of third party risk. That's probably the top thing. The second thing is to put together a standards based program that is informed by standards and guidelines to drive your third-party risk management program, specifically what and how you conduct due diligence and how you vet your third parties. And so from our survey respondents, what we found is that the NIST cybersecurity framework is probably the most popular and the most used industry standard guideline out there. Almost 48% of our respondents actually rely on the NIST CSF framework. And then there were about 28 and 27% and even split between the ISO 27001 and 27036 frameworks. The only difference is 27001 is the original one that focuses more on information security systems internally within the organization, all systems. And then the 27,036 focuses more on information security systems within the context of their supply relationships, their third-party relationships. So that's kind of the second key following industry standards and guidelines. And then adopting multiple methods to actually vet the third party. So you can't just be unidimensional there. I think came out, really clearly that people use different forms of vetting their third parties. They use things like questionnaires, which is a direct way of vetting a third party. They use outside services to help them conduct their assessments. They use external content, another indirect method to inform themselves on various types of risks that these uh, third parties expose them to. And then they also do in-house, using in-house resources and outsource resources, assessments which require subject matter expertise to actually evaluate controls that these third parties have in place. And the fourth one being that they continually reassess for risk. That includes continuous monitoring and sometimes repeating the risk assessments from scratch on these third parties. Improving supply chain visibility is a key. This includes your direct third parties, their third parties, meaning fourth parties and nth parties. A majority of them of the survey respondents had an idea as to who their fourth parties were, but most of them didn't. Very few of them actually knew the entire landscape of their nth parties. And finally, I think the most important one is to adopt a technology solution Something like Process need to help you manage your third-party risk management program. Now, here, I think there are several things you got to do, right, in the order. You have to inventory your third parties. You need to know the nature of the work that they are doing for you, what type of access they have. You have to do an inherent risk assessment. You have to determine the due diligence commensurate with the risk of that third party, and that can be informed by the different frameworks that I touched on previously. And then you have to identify issues and remediate them and then continuously monitor your third parties. So that's kind of the, the keys to a good third-party risk management program.
1: Sandeep, I think we should acknowledge that we we're recording this during the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Obviously, yeah. that has put exponentially more pressure on many multinational companies, both in their supply chain and their employee base and their sales side of things as well. This report was put together or researched in December of 2021, and it really drives home the message that I try to articulate, which is it's not disaster recovery. It's not even business resiliency. It's now business as usual. And companies need to have agility. They need to have nimbleness, but they need to have processes in place to be able to respond to events literally now on a global basis. You talked about some of the things that had happened inside the United States we should acknowledge really the impact of the rest of the world. And I want to use that introduction to ask you to maybe think about or at least tell us what you see down the road in 2025 and beyond. Is it going to be a, a series of storms? Can we weather the storms? Will technology take us in new and different directions? Is Process Unity working on things? Are you listening to your clients and customers and hearing their concerns and incorporating that Back into your service offerings. I realize it's very open ended, but I'm asking you to maybe put on your prognostication hat and tell us where you see all of this going down the road and what we should prepare for for the consumers of the Process Unity products.
0: That's a great question, actually. I mean, if you think about what happened in 2020 and in 2021, the number of cyber attacks, the incidence of documented known cyber attacks has only gone up. I can literally tell you there were at least two dozen in 2020 documented. These are big companies, private enterprises that got hacked. There's another saying, <laughs> you're either hacked or you don't know it yet. Uh, You've heard of that one. So that's a cliche almost in the cybersecurity space. But really, the way I think about it is that there is going to be no letup in that. That's going to happen. You have to assume that these attacks are going to continue to happen. They are going to be perhaps greater state-sponsored hackers to be expected. But ultimately, what you do about them is what needs to change fundamentally. So it's not good enough to just have a program, a compliance check-the-box approach, because of the saying you like. Right? You cannot outsource the risk. You can't have that compliance check-the-box approach. That's not going to help you. It's going to make you vulnerable, and it's going to really obviate the need to do something serious about it. Secondly, I see a real convergence between what was traditionally called third-party risk management and information security or cybersecurity management. Definitely, those two are probably the number one and number two topics being discussed in every boardroom today. So we definitely see a convergence of that. And we see a convergence. We see greater collaboration between companies where the Chief Information Security Officer's organization is advising the third-party risk management organization and the procurement organization from an operational risk standpoint, from a standards-based approach. From our customer base, a potential prospect base and customer base, I think the need of the hour is greater automation from a due diligence standpoint, based on standardized controls assessments and evidence-gathering strategies. And we also feel that. Because this is going to become burdensome for organizations and primarily for third parties, we see greater applications of artificial intelligence, especially when it comes to helping companies deal with the growing volume of due diligence that they have to deal with. In my opinion, those are kind of the things that you're going to see more and more of as you go through the next three years.
1: Sandeep, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself any of the topics we've talked about, or to download a copy of the report and get more information on Process Unity, what would be the best way for them to do so?
0: The Process Unity website is a great start. If you want to connect with me, you can look me up on LinkedIn. But the Process Unity website offers a lot of resources on our products. So we've got webinars, blogs, and podcasts and best practices and emerging trends in the TPRM and cyber landscape. So that's processunity.com.
1: Let me just add, if you have never checked out their website, please do so. Sandeep is being quite modest. They have a great set of free resources. If you're new to this space, if you're looking to enhance or upgrade or even benchmark your own third-party risk management program, you can really find no better place to start than the Process Unity resource tab on their website. They do have a ton of materials written materials, audio materials, video materials in terms of webinars that they put on. It's something that I've looked at a lot over the years, so check it all out. Sandeep, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me, and I hope we can continue this conversation. Absolutely, Tom. Thank you for your time.
0: If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.